If you've been reading along, or perhaps even reading ahead, you'll know that reading and uh, understanding the epistle to the Hebrews is hard. And yes, there are, as we read through, there are, there are moments when we get this flash of brilliance. Where, oh, that's good. But there's so much that's difficult to understand. And it seems that we need a, a knowledge of and an understanding of the Old Testament. As you read through in some Bible version, it's highlighted for us all the, all the quotes from the Old Testament. And we need an understanding of Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy and the Psalms. In the brief reading we've had from Psalm, uh, from Hebrews 2 this morning, there's been references to Psalm 8, to Psalm 110, and, and a few other Psalms. But this knowledge and understanding of the Old Testament often eludes us. We want to focus on a God of goodness and of love, on a message of inspiring moral uplift. An idealistic message about human potential. And so often we are uncomfortable with the bits about God's wrath or retribution. And we are, we are nervous about dogma and rules. And yet as we read the epistle to the Hebrews, it takes us back to the Old Testament repeatedly. Again and again we get referred back to the Old Testament why? To show us Jesus. Surely the Gospels are enough, but no, the writer of the Hebrews says, no, look, here is Jesus. And here's the Old Testament. Here is Jesus. And he shows Jesus as the fulfillment and the culmination of all that the Old Testament is. It is, as it were, the book of Hebrews is for us what the disciples experienced on the road to Emmaus. You remember the story that after his resurrection, he appeared to the two disciples on the road to Emmaus? And as he caught up with them and heard them talking, he asked them what they were talking about. And they said, you know, we had all these hopes and aspirations that this, this Jesus, but he was crucified. And we've had these accounts of his resurrection and we're confused. And as the story unfolds in that chapter and in the next chapter, we, we hear that Jesus, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. That the risen Jesus opened to them the scriptures. Later that day, Jesus said to the gathered disciples, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you. That everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. And he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. And behold... I'm sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city and until you are clothed with power from on high. Jesus, as he met with the disciples, firstly on the road to Emmaus and later in the upper room, interpreted all the scriptures concerning himself. 
It's almost as if Jesus has a, a little uh, seminar that comprises the book of Hebrews. He interprets the Old Testament to them that they might understand who he is and what he has done. We often lack that knowledge of an understanding of the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms. I mean, as we begin to read the Bible for ourselves, sometimes we read through the book of Genesis and that's rather interesting and exciting. Then we get to the book of Exodus and it's a bit exciting, but then we get Leviticus and Numbers and we sort of slow down and then we get to Deuteronomy and we sort of come to a halt. Uh, We lack the sufficient understanding of the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms. To begin to comprehend the fullness of who Jesus is and what Jesus had accomplished. And this is in some part what the book of Hebrews does for us. It begins to unfold for us who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. The first readers of the epistle to the Hebrews knew the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms. And they were a bit like the disciples on the road to Emmaus. They were confused as to who Jesus was and what Jesus had accomplished. After all, they had Moses and the covenant and the temple, the priesthood and the sacrifices, some very real and tangible historical evidences of God. But who is Jesus? And what has he accomplished for us? Last week we looked at Hebrews chapter 1 and Ben explained to us something what it it describes. But we read in Hebrews chapter 1 and from the opening verses, Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom he also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. And after making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. There it is. That's how it begins. Jesus is God's final word to us. But what about Moses and the prophets? Where do they fit in? Jesus is both the the heir and creator of all things. He is the living image of God. Yet he made purification for sins. That talks about sacrifice. And how do the priests and the sacrifice of the temple and the ritual, how do they all fit in? How can Jesus, the one who lived and died and rose, sit down at the right hand of the majesty on high, being much superior to the angels? These and many other questions will be addressed in the epistle to the Hebrews. And along with that explanation, there will come a warning. A warning to pay attention, to look and to learn, to live and persevere, to pay attention to the living word of God. And today in Hebrews chapter 2, we we must grasp the wonder 
and the seriousness of the word of God. That is, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The living, the living and abiding word of God, we're told. This is what we have to listen to. This is the Jesus that Hebrews speaks about. This is the one to whom we must give serious attention to. This is the one of whom Moses wrote in Deuteronomy, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen. Just as you desired the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly, when you said, let me not hear again the, word, the voice of the Lord my God, or see this great fire any more, lest I die. And the Lord said to me, they are right in what they have spoken. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. And whoever will not listen to my words that he shall speak in my name, I myself were acquired of him. That's the warning. Pay attention. Listen to the word of God. Give due consideration to who he is and what he has done. And as the letter to the Hebrews begins to unfold, we, we find that Moses is called by God, commissioned by God to rescue Israel performing great and awesome miracles by God's power. And Moses meets and speaks with God's agents, his angels. But Jesus, we read, called by God, commissioned to rescue Israel for God, performing great and awesome miracles by God's power, meets and speaks with God face to face. One is an agent, agent, and the other, the Son. And as we read through the New Testament, we have this awesome warning that this Jesus is the one who will do a great and wonderful thing. He is the Son of God. He is the living image of his Father. He is the one to whom we must pay serious attention. And we read that as the angels spoke, they spoke so often of Jesus. And we read, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, so that, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. And this took place to fulfill what the Lord has spoken by the prophet. Behold, a virgin will conceive and bear a son, and they will call his name Emmanuel which means God with us. And then we read that when Jesus was baptized, behold, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. This is my beloved Son. And later on, as Jesus undertakes his ministry, there comes the day when he takes Peter and James and John, his brother, up on the mountain. And as they go up on the high mountain, suddenly Jesus is transfigured before them. And his face shone like the sun and his clothes became white as light. And there speaking to him was Moses and Elijah. 
And while Peter was speaking to Jesus, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And the voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Jesus is all and more than Moses. Not only a prophet like Moses from among you, from your brothers, but also the eternal Son of God. It is to him you shall listen. And if God's word through Moses, mediated by the angels, was a serious and deliberate undertaking, what shall we say about God's word? That which was in the beginning, that which was with God, that which is God, the living and abiding word of God. If, if the word spoken to the angels is serious, then what about the word spoken by the word of God, the son of God, of whom God said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. In our reading in, in Luke 20 this morning, we had something of this impetus put to us. The, uh, the, the master goes away. His servants are betrayed and killed. He sends the son and they seek to kill the son. And what happens? What happens? The master has the final say. This is my son. Listen to him. And that's why Hebrews chapter 2 says, Therefore, therefore we must pay closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable, and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution. How shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? What will happen to us if we play fast and loose with the word of God? We know the story of the Exodus. Every seems that every week is a new mumbling and grumbling and God has to discipline them. When they had seen and heard God speak to them. The message delivered by angels was reliable and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution. A whole generation is wiped out. How shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord. It was attested to us by those who heard. While God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. God backing up not only his word, but the witnesses to his word. If the people of Israel failed, transgressed, disobeyed the word given by Moses, suffered a just retribution. How serious is the word given by Jesus, of whom God said, this is my beloved son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen, listen to him. This is serious. This is serious. God himself attests his word. Listen to him. And as we hear these words, we, we also hear that uh, 
in Hebrews 1, this word of God made purification for sins. And then we read in Hebrews chapter 2, therefore he had to be made like us in every respect, that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. It's almost as chapter 2 is a repeat of chapter 1 and, a, and an expansion of it. The purification of sins is accomplished but one who was made like us, made like his brothers in every respect, that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God, to make propitiation for the sins of his people. And we hear the quote from Psalm 8, declare that he is like us, made like his brothers in, in every respect, yet he is more. And Psalm 8 says, and uh, I first learned Psalm 8 when I was in my early teens in Sunday school. What is man that you are mindful of him? Or the son of man that you care for him? You have made him for a little while lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honour, putting everything in subject under his feet. Yet, since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who the fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. So we have the story of why the eternal Son of God became like us. He became like us that he might die in our place. The perfect sacrifice. And that thought is picked up again and again and again in Hebrews that he is the one who makes propitiation for sin. He is the one who is made like us, that he might be a faithful and successful high priest. This is the one who, of whom God says, this is my beloved son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. And as we read the book of Hebrews, and as you continue to read, and I would encourage you to read it again and again, See who Jesus is. The one whom the Lord your God has raised up for you. A prophet from among you, from your brothers. But more, he's also the eternal word of God. Appointed heir of all things. Through whom also he created the world. And we see what this Jesus has done. He has spoken God's word for us. He is God's word to us. He has made purification for sins. He has shared our humanity. Yet, he is crowned with glory and honour because of the suffering of death. That he might, by the grace of God, taste death for everyone. But he is the one who rose, triumphant, successful. And he has shared in our flesh and blood that through death, he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver the, all those who are in fear of death. As the days of our lives draw closer and closer to an end, death stands there louder and louder. When you're a kid, when you're a teenager, you're indestructible. You can drive your car like crazy and you don't think about anything else. But as you get older, things start to weigh upon you. And there is the fear 
of death. But Jesus has destroyed the one who has the power of death and deliver us from the fear of death. And he has become for us a merciful and faithful high priest to make propitiation for the sins of the people. And because he, he suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. And this again is part of the story of the Hebrew letter to the Hebrews. He became like us that he might be able to help us in our time of need. So as we read Hebrews 2, as it repeats and echoes Hebrews chapter 1, and it goes through into chapter 3, for God's sake, and for the sake of your salvation, listen, listen to him. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we confess that at times we are forgetful, that we take for granted what you have done and it is to our detriment and we ask that as that book the epistle to the Hebrews is open to us week after week we might discover afresh the wonder of who Jesus is and what he has done that we might focus our attention on him and in him find the assurance and the hope of our salvation. And this we ask in Christ's name. Amen.